The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Jabu actually shared a story with me. Uh, one of the testimonies is a guy who um, was in ICU for about 60 days. 60 days he was in ICU, couldn't move, no perception whatsoever. And uh, we prayed for him actually here in this church. And uh, the exact day that we prayed for him, apparently he started you know, twitching or at least moving his limbs. He came to church wow. on Sunday, last Sunday in Durban, and he was all suited. He drove himself to church. It's just a testimony of what God is doing in and around us. Amen. And I'm excited about that. I'm really am thrilled. And as I was just, you know, uh, sitting in my hotel room, just praying, I began to watch this video from uh, as a pastor was doing the ministers conference uh, at, uh, with, with Andrew and them. And he started uh, sharing his stories from Sri Lanka, Colombo. That's the city. And uh, while he was sharing, he said something that really spoke you know, caught my attention. He said out of the 7,000 people that come to his church in Sri Lanka, he's an ex-cricket player, he said he couldn't find 300 people that were completely dedicated to the life of of Christ and, you know, to being followers of Jesus. And man, it struck my attention that success in ministry should never, ever be measured by the numbers. I'm talking about the number of people, you know, that may come to your church or to what God has called you to do. Uh, it should never, ever be measured by the budget, what it looks like, 7,000 and so on and so forth. It should always be measured by the transformation, yes. by the transformed lives of the people. Amen. And so these are some of the things that I, you know, started reflecting on. And as I was doing so, I was challenged to come and challenge all of us in here, myself included, to take our faith life more seriously, to just take it a notch higher. Amen? How many of you realize that your your Christian life is not another social thing you get to do on the weekend? I mean, your Christian life is a lifestyle. It's something that you do every single day. Amen? In fact, when you read in the book of Acts, after Peter finished preaching his first sermon, he says the believers came, the disciples came, and they devoted themselves to the teaching or to the doctrine of the apostles. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves uh, to the, you know, breaking of bread. You know, they devoted themselves to community, to living a life uh, of community. So they were, you know, they were went beyond just being uh, high-maintenance Christians, amen? They, they were not waiting for someone to give them a call and say, why didn't you come to the breaking of the bread? The breaking of the bread simply means the bride. Why didn't you come to the bride? Man, they were devoted themselves, amen? I said, amen. So there's a certain level of commitment that you just have to uh, have in your Christian walk if you know, ultimately, you're going to experience the promises of God. Catherine Kuhlman said this. She said, out of all the people who receive in a conferences, and I'm talking about receiving both Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior and receive healing for their bodies because she was a healing minister. She said, out of the, all the people that get to receive uh, in a conferences, only 50%, 15% retain what they have received. In other words, the rest of them, 85%, go back to being sick. Some of them go back to, 
you know, being non-Christians or they just go back to default, to swimming downstream and, you know, to just no effort in a Christian life of just being like a desert. And, you know, I believe we are not a church that will go that way. Amen? I pray that we will be comparable to the early church. I pray that your Christian uh, 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 life will be comparable to that of Peter, to that of, you know, Paul. Uh, uh, Amen. I'll go further to that of Stephen, to where you are ready to die for what you believe. Amen. I believe it's high time we start standing on some values. We start standing on some convictions and not just do some social thing on the side. Amen. Uh, Your Christian life is not another social thing. That's just such a, a demotion you know, of, of what God has intended for you. Uh, your Christian life is a spiritual life. Yeah. Amen? That is natural consequences, but it all starts in the spirit. And as you master what happens to in the spirit, you become a part of the, the chosen few or the ones that choose themselves to be the few that ex- experience the promises of God. In Mark chapter number 4, Jesus sharing a parable. Uh, it's really interesting. He's given us different types of hearts. And he said out of all the hearts, four of them, only 25 produced. Some produced, you know, uh, 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. If you do the math, one out of four is what? 25%. So essentially what Jesus was saying prophetically was, you know, 25% of the people get to uh, actually partake. That explains why your neighbor, not you, your neighbor has not been experiencing the promises of God. Amen? Because I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, you teach prosperity, but how come I'm not prosperous? Well, you may, uh, well, I don't want to say that, but it, that's the truth. It may be because you're not part of the 25%. That choose to take the things of God seriously. Amen? And I'm not trying to, you know, uh, rebuke you or anything. I, I really love you. It's my birthday. You got me cake. Man, I love you. But anyway, let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter number 14, and we're going to read from verse 8. I'm just trying to help you. Amen? I'm trying to help you start seeing some results in your life. Amen? Man, it's a good place to be where you start walking with Jesus and start seeing some results. Uh, in your life and, you know, start having some testimonies of your own. I think it's a cool thing. He's talking about a lot. You remember the story, Lot and uh, Abraham. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And remember the story, Lot and Abraham moved to a place that God had promised that he would show them. And when they got to that place, uh, they started prospering. And both of them prospered so much uh, that they could not share grazing pasture. They got to a place where, uh, you know, the grazing pasture was just too little for the blessing that God had blessed them with. So they decided that they were going to split, you know. And so Abraham gave uh, a lot, a head start. And he said to Lot, I want you to just pick uh, whichever direction you want to go. And whichever direction you go, I'm going to go to the opposite. And then Lot, you know, used his natural eyes. He looked at the Jordan Plains, and apparently it was green. It was pasture with green, with rainwater, and just a beautiful place. So he decided he was going to go in that direction. So he went in that direction. But it so happened that when he got to that place, he submitted himself to a city uh, and government in a city called Sodom. So he submitted himself to the system of Sodom. Uh, Though he was prospering, he went and submitted himself to what I would like to call the the world system. Amen? Uh, There are two systems that are running concurrently in the world, the kingdom system and the world system. And as a born-again believer, you can submit to either. 
You know, just because Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior does not mean you're automatically submitted to the kingdom of God. That's why the Bible says to be carnally minded is what? Death. And he's talking to Christians and he's saying to be carnally minded or to be submitted to a carnal system will produce death. But to be spiritually minded, to be submitted to a kingdom system produces what? Life and peace. So, you know, Lot went and submitted himself. And while he was there, the Bible uses these words at the beginning of Genesis 14. It says in the process of time. And usually what that means, if you read again in other versions of the Bible, it says inevitably. Or in other words, when you submit yourself to a system, there's going to be some inevitables that will come to pass. And they come to pass in the process of time. Amen? And as you submit yourself, you'll begin to see certain things line up or certain things get out of alignment. So it says in verse 8, And the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zohar, went out and joined together in battle. In the valley of Sidim, against Chedolah, the king of Elam, Tidal, the king of the nations, Amraphel, king of Shina, and Arioch, king of Elasa. Now, I want you to see something that it says right after that. It says uh, four kings against five. Did you read that? So, essentially, what he's saying is uh, uh, a lot was submitted to a nation that was mightier and stronger. Five kings against four. I mean, in the natural, this economy was supposed to do well. This economy is supposed to boom. It's winning. Five against four. I mean, in the natural, if I ask you uh, who's going to win, the team that is five players against the team that is four players, that should be easy math. Should be easy to figure out, right? The team that is five is supposed to win against the team that is four. Because guess what? <laughs> the team that is four is outnumbered. But not so in this story and in many other stories in the Bible. He says in verse 10, Now the valley of Sidim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and rem- the remainder fell to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah. Someone say all. See, when you submit yourself to a system that does not have God in it, uh, life becomes a gamble. It may be five against four, and five are supposed to win, but in real life occurrence, five against four without God is a gamble. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) Bring it to 2019. When you kick God out of your life, you have placed yourself in Monte Cassino. By that, I mean you're now playing Russian roulette with your life. (laughs) You win some, you lose some. Amen? And usually when you win some without God, you want to play some more so you can, you know, hit the jackpot. And then hopefully when you're finished, you just, you know, (laughs) hit the road, but it lures you in. I mean, no one ever says, sin is pleasurable. Uh, Don't let people lie to you. It's pleasurable to sin, man. When people have affairs and all this, man, they're having fun. When people are are, are, are doing all kinds, they're stealing money. and Man, they're having fun. Don't get it twisted. Them folk are having fun. But here's the deal. It's only a pleasurable time for a season. In the inevitability of events, they're going to reap. They're going to meet with uh, some stuff. Amen? And so what happened was they lost all the goods in that battle. 
Verse 12, this is awesome. They took Lot also, Abraham's brother, uh, Abraham's brother's son who dwelt in Sodom, and what else? His goods and did what? And departed. So, you know, uh, 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 when Lot went to Sodom and submitted himself to a city that was booming, it was an easy choice. I mean, he's supposed to be flourishing because this is uh, where the economy is, 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 you know, thriving. And when he did that, he went in there. And when the economy collapsed, it collapsed with him. Now, Abraham took the opposite and he went into a different direction. Man, in fact, let me address this. There's nothing wrong with going to an economy that's booming. But here's how I would do it. Ask the Holy Spirit if it's the right move. Watch this for you. If you don't submit yourself to that economy for your provision and your source remains God, you will be safe in that economy. Amen. Amen. But if you go to an economy that's booming and submit yourself to the principles of the economy. This is why people get so mad at governments. They get so mad at their bosses. They get so mad at at people around them, at their customers, and they get angry at people around them. It is because they have not realized that their true source for provision is God and not their boss. Amen. Amen. They don't realize that their true source for promotion is God and not the people around them. And if they were to be pleasing to God, if they were to humble themselves, remember what the scripture says, humble yourself before the Lord and what is the Lord going to do? He will lift you up. What that means is when you submit yourself, humility, you know, doesn't mean not wearing makeup and just not, you know, wearing nice clothes and just, what are you doing? I'm being humble. No, you're not. Humility simply means submitting yourself to what God has to say. And submitting yourself to his system. Sometimes you have to submit yourself to what God has to say, even when it looks like it's hurting you. Man, that's good. That's awesome. I remember a few months ago, about three months ago, uh, I went to uh, uh, TBN and, you know, someone uh, there, you know, uh, uh, decided I wasn't going to continue, you know, being on the, on the station for free. And they called me into their office and they said, man, this is the deal. You're going to have to start paying, you know, to be on the channel. And uh, I had already made a decision prior to going into the channel that if we don't get partners outside of the church, we are not going to stay on TBN and use church money that's supposed to be you know, running the church to buy television airtime. So they called me in. They said, man, we're changing the game midway, and uh, we, we're going to have to have you pay. So I said to them, man, unless we get partners to support uh, that TV program, we don't have to be on TV. We're going to get off of it. And, you know, so they kicked me out of uh, television. And two weeks later, they, they, it wasn't nice. It wasn't a nice meeting. You know, how many of you know that it's never a nice meeting when you get fired? It wasn't a nice meeting. Kicked me out, and, 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 and I went to the car, and I was and I was reminded by God. He said to me, you know, too far away, there's strife, there's confusion, and yeah. there's every evil work. One of the things I'll never entertain in my life or in this church or in and around us is strife. I just yeah. don't like strife because it stops you from progressing. Yeah. So what happened to test that I had completely uh, gotten rid of the strife was they called me back in to do the last episode. 
You just fired me. Now you're calling me back to do the last episode. Amen? And the Lord said to me, you're going to have to prove yourself to me that you're not mad at anybody, that you're not walking in strife, you're not bitter. And guess what? I said, Lord, this is going to be hard. Prayed in tongues a little bit, fasted a little bit to put my flesh under the the, the word. Amen? And, and then I drove myself to the praying in tongues while driving there. And then I got in and I recorded what I think is the uh, one of the greatest episodes I've ever recorded, uh, uh, you know, in my short career on television. How do I know that? I know that because when someone asked me last week for an episode to share with a network in England, one of the best, you know, you, you've got to send me the best. I want to share with a uh, network in England. I shared with them the, that one, the very last one that I did when I was supposed to be bitter, angry, and mad at people. Why? Because I'm determined to submit myself to the kingdom system. Everything is spiritual. One of the greatest lies that the enemy will ever tell you is that life is just natural, what you see. No, everything is spiritual. I decided I wasn't going to entertain strife because of what the word of God says about it. And because I did that, I recorded that. I think it's the best episode ever. Within two months, they called me to say, Tafaro, we're putting you back on. I didn't holler at them. They hollered at me. (laughs) Amen. He said, man, we're putting you back on TV, and they gave us a different time. In fact, yesterday I found out that we had a second time. So we're actually screening or airing twice, you know, in a week. We air on uh, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. and uh, Sunday morning at 5 a.m. And here's the cool part. Here's the great part out of everything. It's airing for F-R-Triple-E to the easel. It's still free, amen? But what's my point in that? My point is, you know, everything you see is spiritual. And submit yourself to the spiritual principles rather than the natural principles. In the natural, they, they hurt you. In the natural, you should be angry. In the natural, you should be bitter. In the natural, you should hold on to unforgiveness. But guess what? That's like drinking poison and expecting them to die. What you're doing is you're short-circuiting your own system. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. And when it comes to finances, it's the same thing. Man, you can submit yourself or your finances to the kingdom of God, or you can submit them to the kingdom of the world. It's completely up to you, and whatever you do will either expose your finances or bring them, you know, uh, in alignment with what God uh, wants you to do in the earth. So what should we do? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 6. We're going to go back to Genesis. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 6. I want to read from verse 19 to 21. This is going to help you. This is how you submit yourself to the kingdom of God. This is how you, 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 you train your heart to see God as your provider and not your job. Amen? I know you like your job, but your job is not your provider. Yes. God is your provider. It says in uh, Matthew 6, verse 19, this is uh, Jesus, you know, giving us an instruction around finances. And he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moth, rust, destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. It sounds like Sodom, Lot and Sodom, right? Mm -hmm. He was laying himself treasures in the earth in the wrong system. He says, when you do that, there's an inevitable that's going to happen. It's called moth. It's called rust. It's called thieves. But what should we do, God? He says in verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Something interesting that I heard uh, someone say, they said you, you can never take your money with you in the grave, but you can send it ahead of you in time. Yeah. And you send it ahead of you in time through transformed lives. Remember what we we're talking about? Yeah. You send your treasures ahead of you into heaven through transformed lives. What you do is you take your treasure or your money and you invest it in something that's bigger than yourself. In fact, that's what money is for. Money is for us to invest in things that are bigger than ourselves. Money is not for you uh, to, to, to just indulge in every uh, lustful desire that comes your way. You know, get a bigger car, uh, get a, 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 a latest cell phone so you can take Instagram pictures. You know, life is not, because after all of that, get a bigger house so you can be on uh, top billing. After all of that, what happens after the episode airs and everything is finished? What happens? There's always something else, amen? <laughs> There's always something else. And the enemy will tempt you, especially when you start going in that path. Man, he's going to tell you, man, we need to switch it up. <laughs> he's always going to tempt you. We, always, we need to switch it up. You don't want to go in that path. So what is, in fact, it, one of the ways, man, this is powerful. One of the ways to live a small, minute life is to live a life that's self-centered. That is driven by self. God wants you to live a life that is constantly, someone say constantly, that is constantly looking to invest in others. That's what he says to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I've blessed you, watch this, to be a blessing. So whenever God blesses you with an opportunity, I call these opportunities of of privilege. Whenever God blesses you with an opportunity of privilege, and I've seen a few of those in my life. You know, we're talking about TBN. It was an opportunity to Tafara of privilege. But when I got into that opportunity of privilege, I brought the whole neighborhood with me. People that I wasn't even supposed to feature on TV. Man, I was opening up doors for them and saying, man, you're going to record some stuff with me this week. I had about seven or ten people running with me when I got that opportunity. You know why? Because God, when he brings you into a place, he wants to trust you to be that person who will open doors, not just for yourself, but for others. Come on, man. Come on. In 2014, you know, I had the opportunity. 2015, I had the opportunity to travel to uh, Dallas. This is an offering. It's not an offering message. Now, it's the sermon. Amen. So you better start writing notes. We're going to take offering at the end of this sermon. You know, we're already in it. You know, don't don't rush me. (laughs) Pastor is taking offering for all this. No, this is the sermon. Amen. You know, 2015, I was in uh, Dallas, you know, with six other leaders, and we got the opportunity to attend the mosaics, and then, you know, uh, that whole thing uh, uh, became a, a, a network, and I remember, you know, when we went back in the next year, uh, after that, that first year, I decided I was going to, first year I went alone. Remember, we're talking about uh, being blessed by opportunities to be in a position of privilege to open doors for others. In the first year, I went alone. In the second year, I took, I think, about four, four guys from this church, if not five. I, you know, I don't remember. And, you know, one other from Cape Town. And I opened, personally, I opened a door for them to be able to travel with me to the network so they can get exposure and be trained in leadership and so on and so forth. And last year, I almost blew it for everybody. Because last year, I literally took the whole neighborhood. 
I took about 13 people that were in that place. Strictly, 10 of them paid for, fully paid for. Fully paid for. I'm just using the key, the authority, the responsibility that God has entrusted me with. I'm just using it to bless others. And that's what God wants you to do. You are blessed to be a blessing. Man, just thinking about yourself makes your life so small. Small anyana. Just, oh man. It makes you live a small life. God wants you to be impactful. God wants to bless you with opportunities and positions of privilege where you can begin to open doors for others. That's what the blessing is for. Amen? That's what treasure in the earth is for. And some of them, it was their first time to be on a plane. Some of them, it was their first time uh, to leave the continent of Africa. And I get to be a part of that story. Man, I didn't make them sign a a little uh, legal contractual thing. and say, Pastor, you're taking me to New York City, so you'll be at my church for the next 10 years. No, no, if they want to leave, they can leave. But guess what? There's something that won't change. That pastor opened the door for me. That's what finances are for. Amen? Amen. Not what you have been using it for lately. Finances is so that you can be a blessing. It says in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what was Lot's problem? Lot's problem was that he relocated his heart from the kingdom to the world system. Everything that God is going to do in your life is going to have to come through your heart. It comes through the channel of your heart. So how do you position your heart in the kingdom of God? You position your heart in the kingdom of God by taking your treasure and move it to the kingdom of God. There is no other way. You can't, pos- you can't sing your heart in the kingdom of God. I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. I love you. You can't ad-lib your way into the kingdom. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but you can transfer your heart from wherever it is into the kingdom by way of treasure. Amen. Amen. I said, amen. Amen. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be, watch this, also. Genesis chapter number 14, verse 13. Then the one who had escaped came and told Abraham the Hebrew. For he went by the terebith trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Esco and brother of Anna, and they were allies with Abraham. Now when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he's armed his 300 and 18 servants who were born in his own house. 318. Abraham was tremendously and thoroughly outnumbered. But because he had God on his side. How many of you realize that you and God are a majority? Just because he had God in, in his corner. You know, it's like a boxing match. If I have God in my corner, I don't care who I'm facing. I'm about to win this one too. Man, all you want is God in your corner. Amen? Amen. That's why you move your heart. You've got to take your heart. And these things, man, these things, I'm so glad God started teaching me these things at a young age. And man, I've, I've always looked at treasure as another opportunity to move my heart into the kingdom of God. I don't look at treasure, you know, money as some legalistic thing. I have to do all these legalistic things with. Man, I look at things practically. The only way I can stay in the kingdom, focused on the kingdom, keep my heart in check, 
which we are instructed to do. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the what? The issues of life. How am I going to practically make sure that my heart stays in perpendicular alignment with the kingdom of God to where I receive the things that God has intended for me? Some of the things we've already talked about. I keep my heart uh, strive free. I keep my heart uh, uh, unforgiveness free, uh, bitterness free. I keep my heart in the kingdom by always looking at treasure that way. Amen. I said, amen. Amen. Man, this is good preaching. Mm -hmm. And Abraham took 318, verse 15. He divided his force against them by the night, and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Harban. Even though Abraham had God in his corner, he did something in the natural. There is a demand for excellence. There is a demand for you to show up on time. Even though you have God in your corner, it's not going to rain from heaven. (laughs) Amen. There is a demand for something, for you to do something on your part in the natural, and God super comes on your natural, and then you get to do the supernatural things. Amen? So he did something, and God's anointing was on it, and he was able to do this. Verse 16, so you brought back how many? All the goods. Someone say all of them. And also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people, and the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Chedalomer and the kings who were with him. So the first thing that happened is Abraham is coming back from winning this battle, or he's coming back from getting his uh, harvest, his bonus, his salary. I'm bringing it to 2019. As he's coming back, he was met with two kings, his dividends, man. Amen. Business owners are saying dividend, his profit share, his income, his money, and so on and so forth. But as he's coming back from getting his harvest, what happened was he was met with two kings or two systems presented themselves before him. The first system that presented uh, themselves before him was the king of Sodom. And the, here's what the king of Sodom said. He said he came and met with him and, and, you know, wanted to talk to him about joining uh, 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 forces. And Abraham, you know, decided that he was going to listen to the king of Asalem, better known as the king of Jerusalem, also known as Melchizedek. And he says in verse 18, uh, Then the king of Salem brought out the bread and the wine. What is the bread and the wine? Remember communion? And we said in a few uh, uh, teachings from today back that communion is just a reminder of two things, you know, in the covenant. It's, re- it's a reminder of Jesus' body, what it accomplished for us, and Jesus' blood, what it accomplished for us. Amen? It's a reminder of the covenant promises of God. But anyway, that's not our teaching for today. Verse 19. Here's what the king of Salem did. Here's what the kingdom of God always do. Verse 19. He blessed him. Someone say he blessed him. Yes. It's the first thing that the kingdom of God does is that there is a blessing that comes your way. So you don't get to buy the blessing. You're already blessed. See, a lot of people think the story starts when he was coming back with the harvest. No, the story starts when God supernaturally endowed him with power that he didn't deserve to go and win the battle. Man, that's awesome. The grace of God does not start after you tithe. It's already in operation because he's the one who gave you the 10 bucks that you have. Amen? Amen. And if you don't have 10 bucks, I'll give you five rand so you can have something to tithe. Amen. It says in verse 19, he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and the earth. Verse 20. 
And blessed be God the Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And what did he do? And he gave him a what? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. Come on, say the word. Man, it's a good word. It's a blessed word. That's not cussing. That's a good word. Did you hear what it says? It says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There are some places that when I mention tithe, you can literally see heart attacks going off in every... Ooh, Sally, I'll call the call 911. Call what? What do we call here? <laughs> call 911. Please. Ooh, my heart. You know why? Because your heart is not in the right place. In fact, I know right now there's some things tickling you in your heart right now. If your heart is not in the right place, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a great place to start. In fact, Jesus said it like Jesus made it really plain in uh, Luke chapter number 16, verse 10 onwards. Uh, he says, I think it was verse 11 or 12. He says, if you can't be faithful with unrighteous mammon, I will entrust to you the true riches. In other words, what Jesus was saying was, you know, this is entry level faithfulness. This is entry level steward. You know, if you can't steward the, the realm of finances, if it makes you go crazy. <laughs> Is this one guy in Bramfontein? He told us. He told the pastors. He says, pastors, I'm a good man as long as I'm broke. You remember the guy? He says, as soon as the salary hits my account, I can't come to church. I won't lie to you, pastor. I can't come to church. I'll be out with the boys bowling. I have to be out with the boys doing something. He hasn't mastered finances. He hasn't mastered unrighteous mammon. Now, if God is just literally not going to bring him a lot of influence in that area, you know why? Because he's going he's gonna to go crazy. He can't handle the true riches. And if that dude came back, in fact, he did. He came back and he told us his marriage wasn't working. It wasn't a surprise. You know, as pastors, there's some things that surprise you when someone comes and says, oh, this is not working. It's not working for you, man. I thought you. But this guy, when he told us that and he came back and said, this is not working because marriage is true riches. It's another level of riches. When he told me this is not working, I was like, oh, man, what did you expect? (laughs) I mean, you can't handle here. You're definitely going to be not be able to handle here. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm trying to help you. So Abraham here, uh, uh, the king of Melchizedek, or Jesus, came and pronounced three things as he was uh, uh, talking to Abraham. The first thing he said was that blessed be Abraham of the most high God. So the first thing we see here is that he pronounced that God is the highest authority over any other authority. And that's powerful. Amen? And the second thing he says is that God, the possessor of the heavens and the earth. Someone say God owns everything. He owns a kettle on a thousand hills. He he says silver and gold is mine. In fact, he says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything that is within it. And everyone who dwells in it. In other words, God owns everything. And the Bible says, after the pronunciation of those three powerful things, Abraham took a tenth and gave to Melchizedek. What that tithe represents is this word, acknowledgement. He was saying, I acknowledge these three realities over my life. So what you're doing when you're tithing is that you are just making an acknowledgement. You are saying, I accept this knowledge. Number one, that God is the highest authority in my life. Nobody else tells me what to do except God. 
Number two, God is the possessor of the heavens and the earth. In other words, God owns everything, including this that I have received. Amen? And number three, God is the one that has delivered all my enemies into my hands. In other words, God is the one that has brought this victory or this harvest. It is not because of my ingenuity. In fact, God actually issued a warning as the children of Israel were getting ready to come into the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter number 8, verse 17. Let's go and read it. He issued an interesting warning to them around this. God is the one who delivers your enemies into your hands. He says in Deuteronomy chapter number 8, verse 17, you know, verse 16 says, after you come into your nice houses and whatever, then you shall say in your heart, then you shall say in your heart, my power, my might of my hand has gained me this wealth. So when you don't acknowledge that God is the one who's causing you to win, essentially you're saying it was because I'm, 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 I'm a great person, man. I'm, I'm good. I know I got this. And there's always a temptation for you to think that way. And so how does God get you to think the other way? He says, take a portion of what you have and give it to oh, me. Yeah. Man, this is tithing 101. Yeah. Taught from a completely different perspective. Yeah. God, God is not going to curse you. Yeah. But I think it would be great if you could acknowledge him. It would be great for you, not for him. God is good, man. He just told us all the silver and all the gold is his. He just told us he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He just told us everything in the earth, including you and your breath. The songs that we sing, we say the air that we breathe is yours. Man, how do you acknowledge that? That the brains that I'm using is yours. That it's not because I mean I have uh, uh, sophisticated warfare techniques, Abraham. It's you, man, dude. You were outnumbered. You and you did. You know, some of you is true right now. You didn't have the right surname. You didn't have the right nationality. I know that everywhere I go, man, I'm like, man, this has got to be the blessing of the Lord. Ooh, I don't have the right surname. I don't have the right age. I don't nothing right about me. I don't have the right structure. I don't have the right uh, terminology, and uh, I don't have the right education. The right nothing. But guess what? Because I, I realize that and I recognize that, and God is promoting me and bringing me to places. The only thing that strikes me, man, this has got to be God. In fact, yeah. Ashley reminded me as we were leaving Designer Life for the last time, you know, at the end of the conference, he says, Tafara, this was so good, this can't be you. <laughs> I don't know whether I should have said thank you or, man, just smack him in the face. Just, <laughs> what you saying about me? He said, man, this, this was so awesome, it can't be you. How many of you realize that your life, what it looks right now, Man, it's not because of you. It's not because of your ingenuity. It's because God is the one who has delivered your enemies into your hands. So like Abraham, when you take a portion of what you have and give it to him, you're saying, I acknowledge that. In fact, the Bible says it like this in Proverbs chapter number 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with how much? All of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways do what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge. I mean, one of the ways is finances. I knew I wasn't going to get a loud amen and a standing ovation. I should have gotten one. 
Because this is good preaching. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. So Abraham, what he's doing is saying, I acknowledge that. I accept that this is a spiritual reality. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And what happens when you acknowledge him? He shall direct the parts of your life. And what else will happen? Verse 7, watch this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. See, when you don't acknowledge him, When you don't acknowledge God, you look yourself in the mirror and think, you, you be the, you be the, you, oh, man, you, oh, everybody wants you. No, no. It's because God has play, has put something on you. No, I'm telling you, when God starts to promote you, man, you, you, you sometimes, it get, was it Dillian? She was preaching and offering a message a few weeks ago. She said, man, if you're not embarrassed by what God is doing in your life, it's not God. Yes. Man, at some point, you start feeling like, man, this is. This is kind of embarrassing even to bring up. We had a pastor's connect uh, meeting with pastors in, we had a pastor in Dallas, we had a pastor in San Diego, pastor in Argentina and Cape Town. We were all on a Skype call and we, you know, we meet once every month and we pray together and just kind of share what God is doing in their lives. And it just so happened that on this call, I went last. After all the murmuring and complaining from all the rest of them, by the time it got to me, I mean, I couldn't even bring up that we had a successful conference, Grace in the Marketplace. It sounded like I'm bragging. I couldn't even bring her up that as I was coming down from the stage from pre- preaching Grace in the Marketplace, Billy Earpard reached out to me and he said, man, I want you to speak at Wealth Builders next year. I couldn't even bring up that as I was turning from Billy Earpard, Christine Bloomstein said, I want you to preach at the next Pastors Connect. I couldn't even bring up that as I turned backwards, Isaac and Alain said, man, we want you to preach at Open Week next year. I got three confirmations in less than five minutes. At the, I couldn't even bring it up because guess what? It's going to sound like bragging. When God really starts doing something in your life, man, it's going imba- to, it, you can't bring it up. I couldn't even bring it up that we are back on TBN. You can't, oh man, that would have been OTT now. Now that's rubbing, you know, it in their face. When God really starts doing some stuff in your life, man, I'm telling you, it's over the top. And when you give him, man, when you become wise, and you have, there's a great temptation now to say it's because, you know, I'm so cool. No, no, you're not. My wife will tell you that. I'm not, I'm not that good. You know, I'm all right. <laughs> he says, fear the Lord. What should you do? Fear the Lord. Remember what we talked about? He says, reverence. Man, you've got to have an honor, a reverence around the things of God. He says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. This, this are, man, these are good life things to just, you know, kind of incorporate in your life. Just depart from evil. Verse 8, watch what he says. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now, verse 9. Honor the Lord with thought, with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all your increase. And what happens? Verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So Abraham decided he was going to acknowledge these three things. And when he acknowledged them, this is what happened. Verse 21. Let's go back to Genesis. Verse 21. You enjoying the story so far? So Abraham has given the tenth. And then the story doesn't end there. Verse 21. The king of uh, Sodom showed up also. You see, the battle of allegiance never ends. The king of Sodom showed up also. He says, I want to talk to you. Or the world system showed up. I also want to talk to you. And what's the first word he says? Open inverted commas. Give. What was the first word that uh, the king of Melchizedek said? Blessed. What's the first thing the king of Sodom says? Give. See, the world system is always out to take. Says, give me. <laughs> Man, you thought the church was trying to take from you. No, the church is trying to get it to you. Yeah, that's right. 
it's hoarding that's trying to take away from you. The king of Sodom came and says, give me the peasants and take the goods for yourself. And watch what Abraham said, verse 22. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord. I've already made a commitment. I've already acknowledged somebody else. I've raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of... He begins to repeat those things, remember? He says, I've raised my hand to God, who? Most high, who? What else is God? The possessor of the heavens and the earth. Verse 23. That I will take nothing from a thread... Uh, to ascend a strap or from a shoelace to ascend a strap. In other words, I'm not even going to make a commitment to the world system even on the smallest things. I'm not even going to try and draw strength or, or, or sustenance from the world system even in the little things, even in the small things. I'm going to draw my sustenance and my source of strength is always going to be God in the small things as well as in the big things. Amen. Because sometimes we just want to deal with the small things and say, ah, it's a small thing. I'll just, you know, kind of sweep it under the rug. And, you know, when it comes to finances, really, what it does is, is it's planting some things in your heart. Remember, the first scene, actually, in the New Testament church uh, a depiction in the Old Testament as they crossed the River Jordan and came into the land was uh, through finances. Remember, Abraham, uh, Moses, in fact, it was Joshua, he told the people, man, this is the first city we're going to give it to God as a first fruit. Don't take anything from it. And there was a guy, I think his name was Achan. Achan, he took a little, a little smolanyan or something, you know, and put it in his house, and then he hid it there. And then when they went to the next battle, it's interesting, where you must read these stories. When they went to the next battle, which was supposed to be a walkover? It's like, you know, Arsenal is playing Manchester United. You know what's going to happen. It's a walkover. It's like we already know these guys are going to get beaten. I mean, they show up and they get beat silly. And then Joshua comes back and says, but no, this doesn't add up. We have God on our side. We're supposed to win this battle. And then, you know, after investigations, they found out that, you know, Achan had taken a little something and, and it messes up my doctrine of grace. But it's in the Bible. It's the same thing that happened in the New Testament. Remember so, uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira? Remember the story? Man, I, I, to be honest with you, I wish that story wasn't, in, you know, in the Bible because I don't know how to fit it in the message of grace. But here's the truth. It happened. They did something with finances and, you know, you know, we all know how it went down and it didn't turn out so right. Amen. It's there in the Bible. And I just don't know how it fits with the message of grace that I, you know, teach. And I just don't know. But it's in the Bible. They messed, you know, messed it around. And I believe it was their hearts. And, you know, I believe they just had a heart attack. That's the, you know, that's how to explain it. They, you know, they, really? And they dropped dead. What happened? Uh, uh, they dealt wrongly in the realm of finances. So finances, while they are entry-level things, man, we need to be careful if we're going to stay, keep our hearts positioned for the things of God. Amen? In fact, one of the blessings I got this week was when Jillian came to our eldership meeting, and she, she told us that we had given in seed and offerings and so on and so forth, and partnership as a church, we had given away just last month alone close to, uh, in fact, over and above 40,000 rand. And that's not even a lot of that's not even uh, a, a, a lot. It's a lot of money, but it's, it's not even, uh, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say it's a big chunk of what we bring in every month. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's not 10%. Mm-hmm. We don't get 400000 a month. Mm-hmm. But guess what? You always have to be at a place where you're sowing. Mm-hmm. Man, when I hear stories like that from the church, man, I get excited. That we are giving church, we are sowing church. Our sustenance is always going to be God. 
Amen? Amen. And that, those are the things I asked Diliana. You know, she runs our finances. How much are we giving? There's some things that we can't touch. And one of those things is the money that we give to Caris Bible College every month, the money that we give to uh, Andrew Womack Ministries. Every month. We can't touch those. We, even if we go broke, th- those monies are going to where they're supposed to go. You know why? Because that's the only way we keep acknowledging God and make sure they seed in the ground. Man, the things that you're witnessing in this ministry are not natural. Yeah, that's right. It's all supernatural. Man, when I look at the people that come and minister here, it's all supernatural. There's no reason why any of them would want to minister to 60 people. Because they minister to 2,000, 2,500 minimum. Almost all of them. In fact, last week I got a message from Arthur and he said, man, I'd love to come again this year at the Mankeys. And I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, I always love to come to Faith here. And I said, man, this has got to be supernatural. Because this man has bigger fish to be, you know, frying and bigger things to do. But when you get in the floor, God will begin to bring you to a place where you experience the supernatural. Is this helping you? Amen. What verse are we on? Verse 22. He says, I'm not even going to take anything as much as a shoelace. I'm not doing that. Otherwise, the world system is going to say, I have made Abraham rich. This is one of the things you never, ever want anyone to take credit for what God is doing for your life or in your life. The kind of people who always find someone else. In fact, people, I've heard people say, man, it's because he's got charisma. In fact, that's the word for the gifts of the Spirit. I, I, I take that. He says, man, uh, uh, PT is doing so well because he's got charisma. I said, oh, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are charis yeah. with a ma. <laughs> Amen. But that's just, you know, I mean, you can't find the, the real reason in the natural. Amen. amen. I said, amen. amen. It's got to be God. Verse 24. Except only what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. In other words, what the men have eaten and what these guys are going to take from you as a, as a, as a, as a portion, as a percentage for fighting this battle, you can give it to them. I'm not participating. And watch what God said in Genesis chapter number 15 as we close. Genesis Chapter number 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Man, this is powerful. God is saying, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. So what I'm teaching today is a lifestyle, is a way of life. Grace in the marketplace is a way of life. Amen? I said amen. Amen. Let's go to 1 Kings 18, verse 33. He's talking about uh, Elijah as he was uh, facing the uh, 300 false prophets of Bela. You remember the story? And uh, they came and he said, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to have a contest. You bring a bull. We're going to bring a bull. And then when you put your bull on the altar, call on your God to send fire. And if your God sends fire, then the people will know that your God is the true God. And if my God sends fire, then we know that my God is the true God. So after they brought the bull there, they tried to call on their God, and their God was probably sleeping. You know, in fact, Elijah mocked them. He said, your God is sleeping. That's why he hasn't sent fire. And they, man, they cut themselves. They did all the penance, and they did all kinds of religious stuff from morning till evening, and their God didn't show up for them. How many of you know that there is no other God except our God? That's what Elijah Elijah was trying to prove. And he says in verse 18, and Elijah, you know, began to instruct his uh, servants, and he says, put the wood in order. 
cut the bullocks in pieces, laid him down on the wood and said, fill your barrels with water and pour it on the bent sacrifice and on the wood. Just a side note, this was during the three and a half years of drought. What's the most precious thing during a drought season? And he says, pour it down on the altar. You would think paraffin, right? Put, para, put paraffin. <laughs> or petrol. No, he says put the water. Put something that's precious. Remember, David said something similar. He said, I will not give to the Lord something that hasn't cost me something. In the, in the drought season of your life, man, your, your, your greatest asset is whatever God has put you in your hands. Man, put it down. Give it to him. Amen? I said amen. amen. Verse 34. And he said what? In verse 34. Let's go to verse 34. Then he said, what? Do it a second time. And so they brought the barrels of water and poured them a second time. And then they did it a second time and he said, do it a what? And they did it a third time. What he's saying is, this should be a way of life. This should be a lifestyle. It's it's not a goosebump. It's not a trial and error. You know, a lot of people, when I go uh, traveling places and I teach on on giving and offerings, a lot of people have this mindset, and it's a terrible mindset. I guess it's human. They, they're thinking, you know what? I'm actually going to practice your, 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 your message, uh, Pastor T. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for about two months, and as soon as I get that harvest, they, they, you know, I'm going to run away as far as I can from God, and I'm just not, I'm, I want to just you know, use this system to enrich myself. No, no, no. This is a way of life. This is how you're going to live. When you make that decision that this is how I am going to live my life from today till Jesus returns, then the blessing of God begins to flow in your life. Watch this. From today till Jesus returns. Because God knows your heart. Listen, child of God, if you're just going to do it for two, three months, one month, four months, don't do it. You're going to waste your money. I'll help you with this. But if you make a decision that this is going to be my way of life, The same things that I'm seeing in the word, the same things that I'm seeing in the ministry, in this church. I want to be a part of these things. Man, if you want to partake of that same grace, that same anointing, that can happen in your life. Start putting your confidence and your trust in God. As opposed to in what you have in your hands. This is what tithing is about. Tithing is not about paying faith your bills. Man, we'll pay the bills Trust me, we will pay the bills. <laughs> we got this. Yeah. It's about you. Yes. you. Positioning yourself for increase. Amen. 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 It's not about Pastor T. I have to tithe so I can position myself for increase. Yeah. Success in the life of a preacher is to get what the message is that God has put in your heart to as many people as possible. You know, that's why the Apostle Paul prayed in Colossians 4 verse 3 that pray for us. That this message may have a door open for it so we can reach as many people as possible. For a preacher, success is not nice clothes, nice cars. For me as a preacher, success is if what God has put in my heart, uh, if that can begin to reach as many people. And I'm telling you, God is opening doors everywhere for me to go on big stages and preach the gospel. I am a successful preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm trying to help you position yourself for success in whatever God has called you to do. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.